Hello and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host Meghla Bhardwaj and on today's episode we're going to be talking about selling on Amazon Europe. And I have with me Laura who is an Amazon consultant and she is also an ex-Amazonian and uh hi Laura, how are you doing? Hello. Very happy to be here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us over here, Laura. So um, yeah, very interesting topic. We haven't covered this on our podcast previously. And so what I want to do is basically talk a little bit about the various Amazon marketplaces that there are in Europe and uh, what kind of uh, advice you have for people who have, who want to explore selling in Europe and what are the pitfalls and what are some of the differences between the different marketplaces? Yeah, so, sure. Cool. So before we get into that, uh, Laura, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do and also what you did at Amazon previously? Yeah, sure. So my name is Laura Buhl. I'm an e-commerce consultant and I have um, startups and um, businesses launch their products in Europe. I used to work for Amazon directly and I used to coach the top 100 sellers in Europe. So yeah, this is my background and this is what I love doing. And I'm very happy to be here and share some insights on how you could um, expand, either expand to Europe or start your Amazon journey in Europe. Wow, that sounds pretty exciting. So Amazon, working with Amazon and actually helping Amazon uh, you know, sellers, like coaching them. So when, when were you doing that, Laura? How long ago was that? Uh, I was doing that 2017, 18, 19 Okay, yeah. very recently. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're currently based in Germany, right? And you were exactly. previously in Singapore as well. <laughs> I was. I used to live in Singapore from 2011 to 2015. Five beautiful years. I love it there. <laughs> yeah, I love it here too. <laughs> cool. So tell us, Laura, I mean, there's so many different marketplaces in Europe. So what are the main marketplaces, first of all? And then can you also tell us what are some of the key differences between the various marketplaces that there are in terms of, you know, like the FBA fees or maybe um, the ease of selling? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're the five most known ones, which is the UK, Germany, France, Italy and Spain. We have now some new ones, which is Amazon Netherlands, and this year Amazon Sweden has been launched. So these are the marketplaces that do exist in Europe. The biggest ones are Germany being on number one and the UK being number two. Those are the most lucrative marketplaces because they have the highest um, customer numbers and they have the highest um, orders and search volumes. So the US is of course the biggest in the world. And um, of course that's where it all started as well. Germany though is really, really big and often underestimated because people have um, the language barrier where they think, oh, I might just go to the UK when really Germany might even be the better um, starting point and the language that can all be figured out. I mean, there are always ways to do that. Um, so yeah, if people ask me, where should I get started in Europe? I say Germany. 
Wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, even I would say, you know, UK would be the first most logical marketplace for, for me to consider simply because of the language. And it's just easy to bring over, you know, um, all of my listings from um, US, let's say, to, to Germany, uh, to, to the UK marketplace. Mm-hmm. So in terms of ease of selling, which do you think is, you know, easiest to start selling on? Of course, Germany is maybe the biggest and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, with the highest volume, but ease of selling it i mean if you put the language aside actually germany is still one of the easiest to start because it's not as competitive as the uk because of the language barrier and because in the uk you speak english many will start with the uk it's the most common place to start in europe um other countries are a place where people if they don't speak other languages other than English, they sometimes feel like resistant to try that. Um, so even though UK is lucrative, um, I would always still look at Germany because there is a, it's a less competitive market with a higher search volume. So you have both components, which are really good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then what should be the strategy be? Should we start with one marketplace and then just focus on one marketplace or is it better to maybe sell on multiple marketplaces? Mm-hmm. Um, both is possible. There are different ways of doing that. And there are uh, a few things to look at. So if you're using the Amazon FBA program and you let Amazon fulfill your orders for you, you need to be looking at a few different things. So if you're starting in the UK, for example, and you have all your inventory in the UK warehouses, you will need a VAT number in in the UK. Um, This is something that you don't need in the US. In Europe, however, for for most countries, for all um, selling countries, you will need a VAT number as long as you do have inventory in that country. So if you're wanting to start in a European country, it's always good to start with one. To not overcomplicate things with having to have VAT numbers in all those different countries. So yes, you can start selecting the UK and have your inventory in the UK, but you can still sell in all other countries as well. You will just not have Prime but you can still have an offer in other marketplaces. People can still buy your product and the Amazon warehouse is going to ship it to either to France or to Spain, wherever your customer is, and they will ship it for you um, at a little bit higher cost, but it would make it easier for you to get started in one country and still being able to set in all those countries as well. So talking about FBA, um, there are different uh, options available for FBA, right? So there is a European Fulfillment Network, for example, then there's multi-country inventory, um, you know, management, and then pan-European FBA. So can you explain to us what are the differences and pros and cons of each of these methods? Okay. The most known one is the pan-EU, which means that you sell all across Europe and you have inventory all across Europe. 
not only in the marketplaces where you sell, but also in some countries where Amazon only has warehouses. So for example, Poland and Czech Republic are countries where Amazon doesn't have a marketplace where they actively sell, but they do have their warehouses where they do ship the products from to either orders that come out of Germany or from Austria or somewhere else. Um, so if you do use PAN-EU, you will need to have VAT numbers for all of those countries. That can be quite a bit to do when you're just starting out. So if you are a beginner and you want to go into the European market, I do suggest do not go with PAN-EU yet. And try to either take the uh, multi-country inventory, which means that you select multiple countries to have your inventory in. Um, you would need the VAT numbers for those countries, or you go with just a single country um, and have Amazon fulfill their orders to the other countries for you. That is, has a benefit. You just need one VAT number until you reach a certain threshold. Like for example, if you're selling from the UK and you do have sales above 100,000 euro in Germany, you will then need a VAT number, but you will only need that once you have reached that level of sales volume. Um, this is a good place to get started because you have much less hassle with all the accounting that needs to be done in different countries and reporting. Um, and once you grow, you can always go and do the pan EU as well and have, I mean, everything can be outsourced. It's not like you, you need to do this all on your own. You, there are services that will help you to do all the reporting to all these different countries. Um, but it is a extra cost that you need to calculate with. So um, having a pan EU account, when you look at accounting and all the other services that you would need to make sure that you have all that um, legal and tax sorted, um, you will need to calculate with at least three to $4,000 extra a year just to cover that. Um, that's why start with one country. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And so um, when we do European Fulfillment Network, then um, do we need to list on list our products in different marketplaces or is it just listed on one marketplace and it can be purchased by people in any country? Is it like that? Or does it, do, do we have to list it on uh, all of the different marketplaces? Yes. Um, you can, I mean, these are two different things. You can, if you only sell in, in UK, for example, you can turn on worldwide shipping. It means that okay. no matter where in the world, people can order your product from the UK side. So will they, they will go on amazon.co.uk and can buy it from there. Um, if you want to be selling in all European countries, then you need to have active listings in all European countries. This can be done very, very easily because the Amazon seller account, um, where you set up all your inventory and things like that, always has all the other European countries in there as well. So you use the same interface for all European countries. You can even make it worldwide if you're selling worldwide at some point. Um, and you just synchronize it and you can have all your inventory being offered in all the different countries. So if someone goes to Amazon ES, which is Spain, they can find your product and buy it there and have it sent from the UK to them. Yeah. 
and they don't notice if it's coming from the UK or somewhere else, they can just buy it there. No. Right. Yeah. So um, do we need to register separately on the different marketplaces? And is there, you know, like a document check and everything that's required? Or is it just a matter of turning, you know, the marketplace on? Because I know that uh, for example, if I'm selling on Amazon's US and I want to register on Amazon Singapore, I need to go through the document uh, verification process again. So is it the same in Europe as well? For example, if I'm selling on the UK marketplace, I've done all my you know, document verification. Now for Germany, do I have to register again and do all of the verification again? No. No, you don't. That's okay. a nice thing. The whole European is seen as one. So it's all together. If you sell in one, you automatically have everything else auto, like activated already. Um, it's just that your product isn't activated in all countries automatically. You can then set that up as well. If you have a European account and want to then sell in the US and you um, want to um, create a new selling account in the US, that is seen separately. So you would need to go through the verification again. Right. But once you have gone through the verification, you can have your seller central all in one and you will see then nine marketplaces in your seller central. And you can, um, yeah, it's really good that they've done that. It used to not be like that way. You need to, you had to always like change the accounts when you were going to your US listing or then you go to your UK listing. Now it's, they've done it nicely in just one um, seller central account. Right. Yeah. So how do we go about things like translations and, um, you know, all, all of those things? So let's say I'm selling on the UK and I want to go and go to Germany or Italy or some of the other marketplaces. What are the steps involved and how, what are the best practices in terms of managing translations specifically? Mm, that's a very good question. So when you activate the listings for the different countries, it will have an auto translation done automatically for you. What we all know with Google Translate and things like that, it doesn't always <laughs> sound yeah. make sense. <laughs> so um, while you could sell like that, I do recommend do it professionally and get some help. Um, you can either book it to, through Amazon themselves. They do have like translation um, services um, there, or you can outsource it yourself. I mean, they are really simple um, resources like Fiverr, where you can have your... Um, product listing translated and then you upload the translation into your account just one thing that you need to always consider is that you can update the text that can be different in every marketplace but the images are going to be all the same so as soon as you do change an image in one market um, in one country it's automatically changes in the other country so there's some caution there but the text you can change that and it makes sense to do that so it may so it sounds good to the buyer and it looks good yeah that makes sense uh but then for images i'm thinking you know let's say i have some infographics with text on the infographics and uh you know for my uk listing the text is in english but Mm -hmm. so are you saying that we i can't really have you know an infographic with german text for the german marketplace it has to be the same set of images, is that correct? Yeah, uh, it is a bit of a tricky thing. Um, it is the best to have it in English and people in Europe, they don't mind really. I mean, in Germany, we're used to having the infographics in English most of the time. 
And there's where you can come in with your A plus content as well, because the A plus content can be um, customized to each country. And there you can have graphics done in the language of the marketplace. So then in the e, e, uh, not e, A plus content, when the person scrolls down and gets a bit more information, you can have further infographics then explaining it in German too, okay. for example. No. And usually the services on Fiverr that do offer translation, they can help you as well with translating a A plus um, content too. Like I had really good experiences doing that with startups that have a tight budget and want to see how they can maximize their seller experience without spending thousands in translations. No. Right. Makes sense. So um, let's talk about VAT. So you mentioned that uh, we need to register for VAT in all of the different countries, right? So what's the process for somebody who's, um, you know, not, who doesn't live in Europe? What's the process for registering of VAT? And do we need to incorporate a company in Europe as well? Or can it be an offshore company with, you know, a VAT in, in Europe? So you don't need to have a European company to be able to sell in Europe. You can have a Singaporean company, for example, a Malaysian can company, really doesn't matter. Um, you will still need a VAT number. So you get those VAT numbers from each respective country through the tax office. Um, I do recommend going with a service here because every country has a different way of applying for VAT and doing it in like a DIY fashion can be a bit tricky. And before, before that is where I want to request one moment. You don't need to have for all countries a VAT number as long as you don't store your inventory in all countries. That's something that new sellers sometimes make a mistake. They tick the pan EU um, setting in the seller central account because they think, yeah, I'm going to sell in all of Europe. But as soon as you do that, you are obliged to have VAT numbers in all those countries. So this is a, a pitfall that many go down under because they don't realize that they've made that setting and now Amazon has spread their <laughs> inventory all across Europe. And once it touches the, the ground somewhere else, a different warehouse, you are by law obliged to have a VAT. So don't take that if you don't plan to do it just stay with one country and then in the UK you could um, I would go through an accountant to get you a VAT number there okay and then um, so at the end of the year you've got to pay your VAT or how do you pay the, the taxes is it like a monthly filing that you need to do separately through your accountant or does Amazon manage that as well Mm -mm. You need to take care of that. And every country is different here. So um, Germany, depending on the size of your company, it either is quarterly or monthly or half yearly. It can be a day decided and case by case. Uh, in, the U in the UK, I think it's 10 times a year, but every country has their own requirements. So I would go here with an accountant that can help you with that. And they're like Amazon seller specific services as well that do offer the sort of um, service that they will do the filings for you. They will download the reports from your seller central account to the filing. So 
you don't need to worry about these things because that's like a task by itself <laughs> to figure out VAT regulations in every country. So I don't recommend you do to do that in that DIY thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about product categories. Um, you know, so if, if I'm starting out, what's the best way to decide what to sell? And are there any specific product categories that are more popular in certain marketplaces? I mean, especially the major ones, let's say German, Germany, UK, um, what categories should, you know, Amazon sellers start with? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, every country is culturally a little bit different. So there are like some preferences um, that people like to buy. Like in Germany, there's a lot of like outdoor hiking, camping. <laughs> German people like to do this stuff, uh, this, this type of things, um, skiing. So there's a lot of in sports um, that you can go into, but really you can go into uh, many categories there are just a few that you should avoid um like you want to avoid everything that has to do with cars with bicycles it has to do anything with safety and liability where you could be liable if someone has a bicycle accident because your bicycle light didn't work um you want to avoid electronics at all costs in europe especially in germany um because there are so many regulations around it and in germany if my electronic product that i bought on amazon breaks one day before the two years have passed after i bought it so i could have bought it now 2018 it broke now and i can still return it wow, and that two years <laughs> yeah and that's a lot of time and that um especially with the defect rates that electronic products have these days nothing that I would want to go into. So no matter in what a European marketplace, categories that you would really, what are interesting to go into are things that um, can be either reused. So you have like some sort of reoccurring, um, like becoming customer or simple tools that can be an add on. Like I like to go a lot into DIY category these days because there's a, there are a lot of gems in there where you can, I mean, this year has been really, really good for, oh, what is the name of it? Not crochet, but like some Macrame. sort of, yeah, like they're like so many beautiful, like sewing kits and like all sorts of DIY stuff where, where you can, you don't have a product that is going to easily break. It's often light. It's often small. It has a good perceived value because it comes in a kit. Um, so these are things that I do recommend. Um, like I have in my mind always the success formula. Like before we go into a marketplace, we want to see if there's a, a demand for this product. So we use tools like Helium 10, for example, to find out, okay, what are people searching for? And then the next point I'd like to go into is like, okay, how can I truly add value? I don't want to add the same product just with my logo on it. I want to bring a win-win situation into this market because this is how I'm going to long-term succeed. So by really focusing on how to add value, I find that my customers and um, like people that um, I work with 
do really, really well in their launches without having to do crazy giveaways, without having to like, I don't know, like give hundreds of their products away for free. Um, they can just launch with simple PPC tactics. Um, they can launch with, um, with people that actually want to buy the product because it's a great product. Um, that's like, that's the way I like to go. And I think that's the long-term way of succeeding on Amazon, really being customer centric. Like Amazon is it as well. Try to be like Amazon as well. Think of your customer and what do they like and let's solve problems here and bring awesome products to the market. Yeah. Right. So how has COVID changed e-commerce habits in Europe? I mean, I think all of the world, people are buying more online and, uh, you know, e-commerce is really booming. What are you seeing in Europe, you know, and in different marketplaces, is it different? And tell us a little bit about, you know, the big picture overall e-commerce trends. Yeah, I mean, this year has been truly actually a winning year for Amazon and for e-commerce. Um because so many people with all the lockdowns that were everywhere in the world have then turned into buying things online and have noticed, ooh, this is really a comfortable way of buying. Like a lot of grocery shopping has moved into um, online shopping, which was not big in Europe at all. Like it was big already in the US. You, the US is often faster with these sort of things. Europe is a bit more like conservative. We are slower. We are people that pay in cash, we don't like to pay in card. And this has now changed a lot through COVID that we are now open to buy all sorts of things online. Um, as to the year before, people were more um, hesitant to buy like everyday products, sometimes like cleaning supplies, you wouldn't be buying that online. But nowadays, this year, this has changed now. So a massive increase in new prime members, massive increase in new customers, and actually that the increase has gotten so big that Amazon had to shut down the FBA for a few times, like for a few months for many categories. They were like, we cannot follow the demand of our customers. We need to only focus on a certain categories. And if you're selling that, you're allowed to use FBA. If you don't, I'm sorry, you can't. And that was for a few months in April, May. Um, where the demand was so big that Amazon wasn't able to cope. They had to, I think they hired 100,000, 200,000 people just to be able to cope with the whole, like the demand of this year. No one was prepared for such a big growth. No. Yeah. And what about Q4? Because, um, you know, of course, in the US, we see Amazon preparing a lot and uh, they're hiring more people and uh, they're getting all of their processes in place um, because they're expecting a huge surge in demand during Q4. So what sort of preparation are you seeing Amazon doing there in Europe uh, for Q4? Well, Q4 this year is very special because we have Prime Day in Q4 as well. Prime Day usually is around the summertime, July. That's when we have Prime Day in normal years. And Corona <laughs> year, we have now... Also, Prime Day in Q4. So we have Prime Day, we have Cyber Monday, we have Black Friday, and we have Christmas. So um, this Q4, I think it's going to be a record-breaking Q4. Um, it's going to go through the roof. And there are a lot of preparations that they, Amazon is taking. So they're limiting new sellers, really, with new inventory. So there's like this 200-unit mm -hmm. 
um, limitation for new products that have not yet been sold on Amazon because Amazon wants to make sure that in the warehouse they have enough space for all of the ASINs and all of the products that have already have sales. So they know that it's going to be selling. They don't want to be wasting precious space, really. Um, so that is something that they're taking. And yeah, it's going to be an interesting Q4 for sure. Like um, I'm already preparing with um, many of my clients for the Prime Day now for the upcoming Cyber Monday. And they've been restocking a lot like crazy <laughs> <laughs> and getting ready for Q4. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, products, you know, um, we, we briefly touched on types of products now, but we also know that Europe is very strict in terms of product compliance and certifications and labeling. So what advice do you have for somebody who wants to sell in Europe in terms of how should they manage product quality and compliance? I mean, especially if they're sourcing from, let's say, China or India, you know, another marketplace, what are some best practices they need to follow? Mm-hmm. Um take some expert advice really here um i know especially when you work with asian manufacturers there's this tendency of like yeah yeah, let's just do it anyway like it it, it will be fine it will be fine no it doesn't work like that um in germany often or in europe germany being the the strictest of all uh especially if you're going through custom and you already screwed up the labeling, it is possible that they're just going to destroy your products. You're not going to let them into the country. They don't, they, they're going to say, no, this is not according to the rules. So there's already a big important step to have that right from the beginning and to ensure to have that right, get some compliance help. Like there the government websites where you can get some information. There are service providers where you can have a lawyer double check if this is fine or a um, agency that focuses on compliance to just check if you have everything done correctly, especially in like product categories that have higher compliance, like everything that has to do with children's toys, where there's like choking, where there's like topical products. Um, You want to make sure that they are fine, that nothing, there's no liability for you. Um, everything that is digestible, you want to be cautious about. And even if you have, like, you're selling clothes, you want to make sure that you're labeling everything correctly to the standards of the country where you're selling. Yeah. Right. So talking about clothes, I mean, is apparel a big category as well um, for, for e-commerce in Europe? Yeah. Um, Amazon is becoming one of the biggest um, places nowadays where people are buying clothes. Having said that, I don't think that selling clothes is the best way to get started on Amazon. Mm. Very high return rates. You need to have uh, a lot of variations. You you have a lot of buyers trying, testing, Yeah, you need a lot of inventory. You need to have a really good startup capital. And yes, you can still succeed doing that, but you need to be prepared for investing more than you expected. It's very competitive. 
No, definitely. So is Amazon the main marketplace in most European countries or are there local marketplaces as well that um, people can sell on? Yeah, there are local marketplaces in all the different countries too. So they're really big ones too in, I mean, depending on what category you are in, if you like eco-friendly products, like mm -hmm. we do have avocado, it's a marketplace that is specifically for products that are eco-friendly, for example. And then we do have um, other marketplaces that are a bit more similar to what Amazon is, where you can buy all sorts of household goods, toys, things like that, like um, Real. Um, but still, Amazon is the biggest and it's the biggest growing one. And it's where you have all the fulfillment put in. Other marketplaces don't have the inbuilt fulfillment part where you need to then fulfill yourself and um, take care of orders and the customer care and all that stuff. Right. And that can be tricky in different languages. Um, having Amazon FBA, they are going to take customer returns, customer questions and things like that. So my, you might still get a few emails here and there, but most of your customer inquiries, Amazon to cover those for you. And that is really, really good because as you're getting inquiries from Spain, from France, from Italy, from, from Netherlands, from Sweden at some point, who's going to be speaking all those languages? <laughs> I don't know anyone. <laughs> so it's good that Amazon takes care with their customer care um, teams. That okay have local teams for all the countries and they do that for you. So that's Stick why to Amazon, <laughs> Amazon, it, it it's easier. Mm. It's more effective, biggest conversion rate. Uh, I mean, the whole system just works out really, really well. And it's just growing. Yeah. Right. If you're locally and you have your business local and you're, you're here, you could of course go into other marketplaces too. But if you're selling from overseas, stick to Amazon. Um, right. Because that you can do from anywhere, really. You can mm. be in Singapore and be selling in Europe. It doesn't matter if you are on the other side of the world. Um, you don't have limitations on that. Exactly. So in terms of listings, you know, for different marketplaces, how do people how should people localize the listings or does it not matter i mean i'm just thinking let's say i have a listing on the uk marketplace can i just translate it literally and post it in you know in the germany marketplace or do i need to be aware of um, you know maybe some cultural differences or some you know linguistic nuances that uh, that are maybe prevalent in germany but not in german language and not in english you know, mm -hmm. so does that really matter or is it okay if I just translate it and, um, you know, post a listing on, on, on the other marketplace? That's a very good question. It, it does matter to the point of optimization and ranking oftentimes because we cannot often just literally translate a search term that someone might be using in the UK. In Germany, they might not just use the literal translation they might be searching in a different way so here i'd recommend going with helium 10 because they do have all these different countries um, that they can work with and, and help you with the 
keyword selection. Now, we do get the keywords now in a different language. That's then a concern for most others. Okay, now I have the keywords, but I don't recognize what it means. Um, a trick here, and many consultants use that, that do consultations in different marketplaces and don't know the languages, using simple Google Translate just to see if that search term does match the product. It's not a random other doesn't sometimes you will get some random words in there that you don't want to be having in your listing you can do that or you can hire someone who does just your keyword research so yeah um from that perspective and then of course for some products you can just keep the copy similar because um, the product benefits are still the same um but yeah sometimes you want to be looking into a do people use it for different occasions? Is there a different way that I can add an emotional appeal to it? Because um, we also sell with emotions and the way that we can sell with emotions is using nice imagery in the A plus content, for example, or having our bullet points point out a certain benefit that might appear more into one country than in the other country. So you might wonder how do you find that out um, i would look into competitors analyze their reviews you get a lot of information about how your customers think from there and um, other than that um, what is another good way to find that out usually when you have a service provider that does your listing in germany for example they can point those things out to you as well if something would maybe seem off in German culture. But European culture is still so similar that it often fits. No. Okay, great. Well, Laura, this has been great. You've given so much uh, information for people to you know, at least get started. So do you also want to talk about your consultancy? And then you've also got this uh, three-month course that you've recently launched where you actually walk people through the entire process of finding and launching products. So tell us about your services. Yeah. Well, during the COVID time, I've always been a consultant in the last few years, but now during the COVID time, I have added a passion component of mine. Because in the past few years, when I've worked with so many sellers, like hundreds and hundreds of different sellers, I found a trend that most sellers were male and most businesses were male owned. And while I love working with men, I, there's nothing wrong. I felt like, hey, I would love to support women into getting started with their business in creating an Amazon um, and an e-commerce business. And I created a group on Facebook. It just started very simply. It's, a, it's called e-commerce and FBA boss babes. And we have grown a lot. <laughs> we are like 7,400 now. Um, there's apparently a big, big interest in um, creating an own business. And yeah, out of that, I have created a course where I go through um, going from zero to launching. That's how I call it, zero to launch. And getting my ladies that have joined the course from product selection to sourcing to then ranking them on Amazon and having their first product up uh, on the Amazon platform. Yeah. Now, that's been really, really exciting. So I've gone with a beta group 
and we are just launching all now and i do launch with them too so i like to walk my talk and i'm launching like showing them my behind the scenes and just going the whole process with them and launching my own products yeah, that sounds very um, exciting. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, just do courses, but they're just videos and you got to just, you know, take in all the information. But I think with uh, a format like this, where it's interactive, engaging, you can, you know, ask questions along the way. I think uh, that, yeah, that's very interesting and will help a lot of people for sure. So we'll um, post the link to the Facebook group in the show notes in case anyone's interested. And are men welcome to join the group as well in the course or is this only for women? <laughs> this group is really just for women, but men are very welcome to contact me as well. And uh, I've, I have male-owned businesses still. <laughs> this is my main um, um, yeah, business to help um, startups and people wanting to sell on Amazon. So yeah, they can contact me for sure. Yeah. Okay, awesome. We'll put all the contact details in the show notes on the website, theasianseller.com. So guys, check it out there later. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time today. It was wonderful chatting with you and let's stay in touch. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you.